Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hello and welcome to episode number 72 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Christian Cody of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we wrap up our AFC West draft reviews with the Chargers and the Raiders. Now, L.A. is looking for that one season where they truly stay healthy, don't get beset by injuries, and have some results that actually match the talent on their roster, which is up there with some of the best teams in the league. While the Raiders are in a rebuilding phase now, with Mike Mayock coming in as GM and John Gruden as well. We got to see firsthand what Mayock would do as general manager in this year's draft. It's basically a lot like the podcast that we just did with the Denver Broncos and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. In the uh, Oakland Raiders, you got a team like the Denver Broncos who really need a big draft, really need to get some pieces in there to point them in the right direction. And with the L.A. Chargers, you got a situation like the Kansas City Chiefs where they're just looking for those final pieces to put them over the top. Now, L.A. kicked off its draft at number 28 overall with Notre Dame defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. Now, Tillery is a good athlete at 6'6 295 pounds. He can rush the passer and shoot gaps to penetrate the backfield. He's strong enough to hold the point and play against the run, but he was an up-and-down player at Notre Dame. If he's able to keep his motor running consistently, this is a great marriage of value and need for the Chargers. Yeah, I, I would agree. We knew they were going to go defensive tackle. I don't know if it's an issue of a hot and cold motor with Tillery. I just think it's consistent production. He's just a very streaky player. He's got to level that out, but he's got everything. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's explosive. He's shown the ability to take over games. Would like to see him get a little bit stronger. But when you can get a defensive tackle of this caliber late in the first round with this upside potential, I mean, it's a major coup. And part of the reason was was because it was such a great year at defensive lineman. You know, Tillery was a guy who was going to slide. He did, and, and I think the Chargers did a great job scooping him up. Now, the Chargers went the small school route on the second day of the draft, taking Delaware safety Nasir Adderley in round two and Sioux Falls tackle Trey Pipkins in round three. Now, many were excited to see Adderley at the Senior Bowl back in January. Had a lot of top 50 hype. He actually disappointed there in Mobile, but it was later reported that he practiced on a high ankle sprain, which, if that is true, does provide some context for the struggles that he had there. Now, he lacks the long speed that most teams prefer in their free safeties, but stylistically, he's really a great fit with strong safety Derwin James on the Chargers roster. Adderley can also lay the wood a bit himself, plus he shows good ball skills and hands. Pipkins is a guy, a former basketball player, really nice height at six foot six, plus athlete overall. But he's raw. He's going to need to add some strength to really hit his ceiling, a ceiling which would make this pick look fine in high sight. 
but there's some risk here. And the Chargers kind of eschewed some other needs to take Pipkins in the third round rather than maybe targeting him early on day three. You know, while we were at the Senior Bowl, I put out a tweet saying that uh, I just did not see the top 60 uh, hype for Nasir Adderley. At that point in time, people were projecting him as a first-round pick. I just never saw the top 60 uh, hype win him. And I was literally one selection off because he went with the 60th selection. You know, he's a nice player. He flashes ball skills. He's a tough guy. I like his smarts. I like to see him be more productive when the ball is in the air in the tight spot of the game. I know people are going to talk about his stats and some of the highlights, but I just don't see a lot of ball production during important moments of the game. He's got a good amount of upside. He's got a good head on his shoulders, so no qualms about this pick. Trey Pickens, I thought, was a little bit early. I mean, is he going to be a left tackle? Is he going to be a right tackle? He has a high upside. He just needs a lot of work on his game to get him from a real good athlete and a small school offensive line prospect into an NFL type of lineman who can compete for a starting job. So I thought the third round was a little bit early for Pipkins. He's a guy who needs to be coached correctly, needs a bit of work in the weight room, has that upside. We saw it at the Shrine game. If you listen to these podcasts, we talked about him a lot. But again, you know, you're talking about late in round three, and you're talking about a guy that I guess they don't need to start right away. They could let him sit for a year or two and develop his skills. So in that vein, I could understand the selection. The Chargers had one pick in each of the final four rounds. They used the first one to draft Hillary's college teammate, Notre Dame linebacker Drew Tranquil, in round four. They ended up with North Dakota State quarterback Easton Stick in round five, Houston linebacker Emeke Egbule in round six, and Cincinnati defensive tackle Cortez Broughton in the seventh. Now, Tranquil is a guy, excellent athlete, combined that with a very good 2018 season and a three-down skill set, and as a result, he was a very nice pick in the fourth round. Stick is a QB. Again, another guy who, from a small school, got a significant amount of hype, but really just doesn't have the arm strength to start in the NFL. He is a smart player who is productive at a lower level of competition, but he likely maxes out as an NFL backup, which is decent for a fifth-round pick if that's where he gets. Now, Igboulet is more of a size and speed prospect than he is a football player, but that kind of profile is always worth a late flyer on the third day to try to tap into some upside with some higher-level coaching. Broughton is a potential backup three technique for LA. Solid athlete, but a player who's easily stopped at the point, really needs to get the first step on opponents to be effective. Tony, what were your thoughts on the Chargers' third-day picks? Well, I'll go with both linebackers first, Drew Tranquil and Ebugle of uh, Houston. They're both similar in the sense that they're outstanding athletes that have questionable instincts, especially Ebugle from uh, Houston. Tranquil's a guy who you know, was tough against the run, was great in pursuit. If you watch him on film, sometimes he's 30 yards down the field making plays against the pass, but at times things get confused. I think he's a guy who, if he had had decent instincts or if his instincts matched his athletic ability, he's probably a top 50 selection. So where they got him in the fourth round was outstanding risk, actually late in the fourth round. Uh, he's got a high upside. It's just that it's got to click mentally. Same thing with the Boule. I mean, if you watched him, 2017, I graded him as a potential fourth-round pick. Never showed any progress in his game last year. But as you said, late rounds, you're going for the size-speed guy, and he's definitely that. Easton Stick, in my mind, was a bit of a reach. You know, I, I don't know that he's ever going to be anything more than a third quarterback at the next level, even if he is a third quarterback at the next level. He doesn't have great size. He doesn't have a big arm. He gets it between the ears, and he's tough. I just think if he was going to be selected, it should have been in the seventh round. Their seventh round of Cortez Broughton. Don't know how they'll use him. He's more of a three-technique type of lineman. 
very quick. He's very explosive, as you said. I'm glad to see that he got selected in the late rounds. I had him just outside of draftable range. But again, I just don't see the fit with the Chargers. Now, 20 or so undrafted free agents for the Chargers. Nothing special, really, in terms of value. Daniel Helm is an interesting addition. Daniel Jones is tight end at Duke, but he's not a standout receiver or a blocker. Just kind of a depth player who can do a lot of things well for the position. Syracuse tackle Coda Martin flashes a bit at times. Does have good size at 6'6", 300 pounds. Could grow into his frame a little bit more as well. Plays with good technique, but is better in the small area. Once he fills out, though, could end up being a solid backup. So that could be a solid pickup for the Chargers here after the draft. I like the selection of Chris Peace, although I think he's more of a 4-3 outside linebacker. He's a guy who I think uh, unnecessarily fell under the radar. If you watch him on film, he was consistently around the uh, action, making plays throughout his uh, entire career. I think that's a guy that could stick as a 6th or 7th linebacker special teams player for the Chargers. Now, while I question the Pipkins pick, and maybe they could have added a QB like Will Greer or Jarrett Stidham at that point, I do look what the Chargers did overall. They added athleticism on defense. Drafted some players early that fit their scheme well and fit the other players on their roster. Tony, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got a really good defensive lineman at the top of the draft. They got a potentially very good safety late in round two. I agree with you about Pipkins, but you know what? They got Drew Tranquil in round four. So if we flip those two picks around, say they selected Tranquil in round three and trade Pipkins in round four, I'm fine with it. So overall, I think they did a good job for a team that was selecting late in the rounds. Now onto the black hole in Oakland next, but before that, please support the draft analysts by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show. Now this year's draft was massive for Oakland with two extra first-round picks from the Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack trades. They drafted Clemson defensive end Cleveland Farrell at number four, much to Tony's delight. They also added running back from Alabama Josh Jacobs and Mississippi State safety Jonathan Abram a bit later in the round. Now, we had Farrell number seven on our board, which is higher than virtually everybody else out there. And while he didn't test out as a standout athletically, doesn't really have a lead length, Farrell's just good at football. He fights well with his hands, shows good moves getting to the quarterback, and really has high-level awareness as a player with a lot of experience as one of the better guys on that Clemson defense. Now, Josh Jacobs was the best running back in this draft. Oakland needed a running back very badly after Marshawn Lynch retired. And frankly, even if he hadn't retired, Jacobs may not have blazing speed, tested a little higher than 4.6 at his pro day, but he has feature back size, good quickness and burst. His receiving skills are excellent. So he's going to be a three down threat from the start, and he's going to get a lot of burn in that backfield. Abram is a guy who should replace Carl Joseph at strong safety. The Raiders declined Joseph's fifth-year option, so looks like they're ready to move on from him. Abram does have better coverage skills than a lot of people give him credit for, but first and foremost, he's an enforcer. I mean, this is a guy who knocked a teammate out in last year's spring game at Mississippi State, so that tells you what you need to know about Jonathan Abram, an explosive, hard hitter who really fits what the Raiders want to do, and he should set the tone from the word go in Week 1 this year. Oh, listen, I could talk for the next hour about Cleveland Farrell. I mean, anyone who's listened to me in the run-up to the draft knows that I consistently said, literally from the beginning, that I thought he was the most underrated player in the draft. At one point in time, I had him mocked number three to the Jets. I know his hometown. I did an interview in his hometown, and after the Raiders selected him with the fourth selection, they were gushing and saying, hey, Tony Pauline said this guy's the most underrated player in the draft. I know that some people said that Mike Mayock choked with this selection. I absolutely disagree. I've yet to talk to anyone to give me a 
concrete argument as to why Farrell was not great as a top 10 selection. I mean, here's a guy who was productive for three years. He was a terrific edge rusher. Didn't run the 40, so we don't know what his 40 time is, but you watch the film. He's very athletic on film. He can stand over tackle on occasion. Gets out and makes plays in space. And I was gratified to see this selection. I just hope he lives up to expectations for himself, for Mike Mayock, and maybe make me look like a genius. But I try not to get too emotional during the draft. But when this selection was made, I jumped out of my seat. I was so happy for Farrell because I, I thought he was so underrated. Josh Jacobs, like you said, they needed a running back. We knew that they liked Josh Jacobs. A lot of people thought that they were going to take Jacobs at the top of round two with their selection. They didn't wait that long. They took him with the 19th pick. Uh, he's a guy who I think is going to be number one on their depth chart right away. The starting job is his to lose. I mean, he's a guy who shows some toughness on the inside. He's got some quickness, despite the fact that he never broke 4-6 during pro-day workouts, and he ran twice during pro-day workouts. He shows the speed and the agility to turn the perimeter. I think it's going to be a good addition uh, to the Raiders' offense. I think it'll help Derek Carr. Jonathan Abram, you know, he, I think he's more athletic than Carl Joseph. I think he's got better range. He can do more sideline to sideline. I agree with you when you, when you say he's got better ball skills. He's more of a three-down safety. He's not just a downhill-in-the-box type of guy. I thought this was a real good selection by the Raiders. The Raiders only picked once between 27 and 106, grabbing Clemson cornerback Trayvon Mullen at number 40. They added Eastern Michigan edge rusher Max Crosby, Houston cornerback Isaiah Johnson, and LSU tight end Foster Moreau in the fourth round, Clemson wide receiver Hunter Renfro in the fifth, and Prairie View A&M edge rusher Quinton Bell in the seventh. Now Mullen, an aggressive corner with really shut down corner upside, good size and speed, just needs to clean up his technique a little bit to truly reach his ceiling. Second Clemson player that Mike Mayock took in this year's draft. Max Crosby is a bit small for a 4-3 end at 255 pounds, which is actually only about 10 pounds lighter than Cleveland Farrell, but he was in the top 10 percentile in all the combine testing drills. If he can add weight and maintain that level of athleticism, he has great upside as a pass rusher. Isaiah Johnson is a guy who also tested well, but doesn't quite play to those numbers on the field. If he can unlock that athletic ability, he can stick at corner. But otherwise, he also has the size to play safety, so there's some versatility to him, even if he doesn't make it as a corner. Foster Moreau was more of a blocker at LSU, caught some short passes, but he tested better than expected, which means he may have some unexpected upside as a receiver, and there's nothing but opportunity for him in Oakland on that depth chart. Right now, Darren Waller is at the top, former receiver from Georgia Tech, drafted several years ago, or was an undrafted free agent, I believe, several years ago. So, Moreau has an opportunity if he can impress in camp. Renfro is a guy, really a crafty slot receiver. He's not going to wow you with any of his traits, but he's a plus route runner who can separate in that way. Should be effective in the slot for Mike Mayak and the Raiders. Now, Quinton Bell really was a surprise pick. He's a 215-pound edge rusher. Won't make an impact against the run at that size, obviously. But if he can add a few pounds to his 6'3 and a half lanky frame and maintain his athletic ability, there's a chance he could end up playing in sub packages. First, with uh, Trayvon Mullen, I love this selection. I mean, for the throughout most of the process, I had Trayvon Mullen graded as a potential first-round pick. Even going back as far as last summer when I watched him play, I thought the 40th selection was good value for him. He's got excellent length. He's got excellent ball skills. One of the problems with Trayvon Mullen is opposing quarterbacks rarely threw his way. So at times, it's tough to scout him. 
but he's got a high upside. I thought this was a great pick, as was Max Crosby. And if you ever listen to this podcast, literally from the beginning, all we did was gush over Max Crosby. You know, Chris talks about Crosby. Will he be able to put on weight? Well, that's all he's done since basically he announced that he was leaving for uh, the draft because they had a poor nut- nutritional program in Eastern Michigan. As we reported back in November, Crosby was either going to enter the draft or be a graduate transfer and go somewhere else. He opted for the draft. Top around four. I think it's an outstanding selection for the Raiders. I think he brings the leadership skill and the stability that they're never going to get out of Arden Key. He's probably not as good a pure edge rusher, but he's much more consistent. He's a guy who can do more than just rush up the field. He can make plays in space. You can drop him off the line of scrimmage on zone blitzes. Absolutely love this pick, Max Crosby, in round four. Isaiah Johnson's another good selection. I thought the Jets should have considered him in round four. He's a tough, feisty guy. Really better facing the action. You may want to use him backed off the line of scrimmage or in zone. But if he learns to make plays with his back to the ball, he's a guy who can play nickel or even start. Foster Moreau, as you said, you know, we knew Foster Moreau was a good blocking tight end. He basically blew everybody away with the fact that he ran the four sixes at the combine. No one thought he had that speed. It's just a matter of him playing to that speed and him basically playing to his athletic numbers. And if they do that, you know, the Raiders are looking at a potential starting tight end that they got in round four. Hunter Renfro, you had to know that Mike Mayock was going to draft Hunter Renfro at some point in the draft because he's been his favorite player of the past three years. You know, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's tough. He's reliable. He's very much a Raiders type of receiver. He basically knows how to get open. Uh, He comes out of nowhere to make receptions. He's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's not the speedster that maybe uh, Al Davis had liked in the past. But but you go back to John Madden. This is the type of receiver that John Madden likes. So I think Hunter Renfro will do well as a fifth receiver, potential return specialist. Quentin Bell, you said it best. I mean, Quentin Bell's got safety size. We do have a scouting report on him at draftanalyst.com. If you go and search his name, there is a scouting report on him. He was a terrific pass rusher, but primarily came out of a three-point stance in the SWAC conference. Not going to be able to do that at the next level. He's a guy that's going to have to make it on special teams. That's the bottom line with Quentin Bell. Now, the Raiders didn't sign a ton of undrafted free agents. Obviously, with all those picks, they don't have that much room on their roster. But they did scoop several draftable players from our board, starting with Tavon Coney, out of Notre Dame. Now, he's not the athlete that Drew Tranquil is, a guy we talked about earlier in the show, but in terms of instincts and intelligence, he's what Drew Tranquil isn't. Coney really relies on his intelligence and his instincts, despite being a bit of a smaller linebacker. That lack of size and overall athleticism is probably why he fell out of the draft, but this guy can play football, and that makes him a shrewd post-draft pickup. There's no risk attached, and this is just a guy who has always performed wherever he's been. Cal Davis's Keelan Das was one of the better route runners at the Senior Bowl, has good size and decent speed. John Gruden recently talked him up in the last week or so as well. So he's a guy who has a chance to make the roster, not a deep threat, but has plenty of ability. What stood out to you here, Tony? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Someone's got to explain to me why Trayvon Coney was not selected. I mean, unless it was an injury or something, you know, a red flag that popped up, the guy should have been selected in the middle of day three. He's that good of a football player. Like you said, not a great athlete, but a good football player. Cole Farmer is a decent athlete from Penn State, the linebacker. He's a good run and chase linebacker. I basically had him just outside of draftable range. I think this is another good signing by the Oakland Raiders. He's a guy who could make it as a seventh, eighth linebacker, special teams player. Keyshawn Nixon, the cornerback from South Carolina, he's, he shows some pop in his game on occasion, has decent ball skills. He's a guy who could make it as a dime back, special teamer. And then there's Tyler Romer of San Diego State. Again, a, a guy that we talked about when this podcast started back in November, and a guy who 
you know, had a lot of problems at San Diego State. There was talk about substance abuse. The coaches didn't like him. There was talk about a knee injury, didn't show up to uh, practice, didn't show up to meetings. He's got ability. I said at one point in time that Tyler Romer would be the best offensive lineman to come out of state since Kyle Turley. I just never expected his career to be shortened so quickly at San Diego State. It's a matter of does Romer have his head screwed on correctly? If he does, and he's able basically to keep his priorities straight on the field and make football a priority, he has an opportunity. It's an uphill battle for Romer. There's no doubt about it. Don't know if he's going to make the team. Uh, I think he could make the practice squad, but it's basically up to him. Now, the Raiders had far more draft capital than any other team in their division, and they came away with a lot of talented players. But many are knocking this draft due to that Cleveland Farrell pick. People think he should have been a mid-first-round pick, a late-first-round pick. So they're knocking the Raiders a bit for that. You're not going to hear us do that, however. And overall, the Raiders did pretty well elsewhere, really grabbing guys who could make their roster and produce good value. So I'm expecting a good grade on this one from Tony. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, they can knock it all they want. I don't care. Most of them are knocking it basically because of what they read on the outside, that other people didn't have Cleveland Farrell as a top 10 selection. And as I said, in the lead up to the draft, Cleveland Farrell was this year's version of Deron Payne, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is, in the lead up to the 2018 draft, I kept saying Deron Payne was the most underrated defensive player there was. He went in the middle of round one, turned out to be one of the best defensive line rookies. I expect the same thing from Cleveland Farrell. But it doesn't just start and end there, as well as shouldn't. Josh Jacobs was an excellent pick. Jonathan Abram was an excellent pick. Trayvon Mullen was an excellent pick. Max Crosby, Isaiah Johnson. I, I mean, they got good players, and they got value throughout this draft. So, you know, go back to what I said at the top of this podcast. Like the Denver Broncos, the Oakland Raiders needed a draft to throw them over the top, really to, to get the ship head in the right direction. I think if they get the situation quarterback straightened out, you're looking at a team with this draft that could win eight or nine games next year. Now, the one thing you mentioned that I want to touch on quickly before we sign off here is people didn't like the Cleveland Farrell pick because of what they were reading and seeing elsewhere. If Mike Mayock is still on NFL Network, if he's still there giving his draft grades and talking about Cleveland Farrell and has him ranked in his top five, I think people would look at this pick a little bit differently because they would say, wow, okay, Mike Mayock, you know, a guy that everybody respects, has Cleveland Farrell this high. Maybe there's something we're missing. Maybe we shouldn't knock this. But because they weren't hearing that leading up to the draft, because obviously Mayock is keeping the picks a secret, they got rid of a lot of their scouting staff before the draft as well. Um, And there were rumors that there was going to be a surprise pick at number four. Well, that was the surprise pick. And it was only really a surprise because we haven't heard Mike Mayock talking about Cleveland Farrell. For the last four months. And what he said about Farrell that he liked so much was the leadership. You know, he seemed like a leader. And Farrell's a leader on the field. He leads by example. Uh, I mean, you had Austin Bryant at Clemson, who was graded as a first-round pick coming into the year. He watched his game fall off. You had Dexter Lawrence, who was up and down. You Christian Wilkins is a good player, but Christian Wilkins can be streaky. You know, Cleveland Farrell was there week in and week out. As I said... No one has given me a concrete argument as to why Cleveland Farrell should not have been a top 10 selection in this year's draft. I'm glad to see it happen. I'm glad to see it from my friend Mike Mayock because if you know Mike, he's one of the nicest guys in the world, and I've known him for a number of years now. I hope it works out for the Raiders, for Mayock, and for Cleveland Farrell. And that's all for the 72nd episode of The Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show... Please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Now we'll be back next week to break down our final division, the NFC West, 
But until then, be sure to visit draftanalyst.com for all the latest info on the players your favorite team drafted and signed, and listen to our recaps for every division except that NFC West. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Sign up. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.